A good afternoon from Wildfire Studios just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Colton Court on a beautiful, windy Monday in Philadelphia in late February. I'm your host, Gerald Colton, longtime sports agent attorney, along with my co-host, six-time first-team All-Pro, Pro Bowler, Four-time first-team All-Pro, one-time second-team All-Pro guard for the New Orleans Saints and Green Bay Packers, Jari Evans. There you go. Welcome back, Jari. It's what up? What up? Good to be here in late February as we yeah. transition out of <clears throat> NFL regular season and Super Bowl. Two. Starting to warm up around here. Well, it's a little breezy today, but we are only one month away from the start of the Phillies season, and they're in, in full swing in spring training, and we're going to get into the Phillies in a minute. But, um, you know, we're transitioned from the NFL season to its offseason, and always a lot to talk about there. We are going down the home stretch soon in both basketball and hockey. Yep. Baseball's starting up, NCAA's heating up with March Madness and things coming, and we will be joined in a little while by longtime NHL star Dinah Zubris, and we'll talk a little hockey today. But um, there's a few things to discuss, including it's a busy day in hockey. It's a trade deadline. The Flyers had a huge event this weekend at Lincoln Financial where they had the outdoor game. Yeah. It was a really 70 plus and a huge success. You know, the, 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 70,000 plus. Yeah, it's a great event, and the Flyers wound up having to. A terrific overtime comeback victory. So, really exciting time in hockey. Although um, today marks the trade of one of the most popular flyers in Wayne Simmons, and we'll get yep. into all that in a little while because we don't do a ton of hockey on here, and we're not going to overly dwell on the current state of the NHL. But we're going to touch on things. And Dinas, as a, a really a twenty-year veteran of the NHL, will be able to shed a lot of light on things for us. But let's start with your domain, although not exactly what we're used to. All right, all right. The owner of the New England Patriots, one of the most respected, powerful people in the National Football League, Mm -hmm. on the heels of the New England Patriots' sixth Super Bowl, was named in a pretty large sting arrest from Jupiter, Florida, for soliciting prostitution in basically a strip mall Asian massage parlor. And although the... Offenses he's charged with is two counts of misdemeanor solicitation of prostitution are relatively minor on the scale of criminal law. Mm-hmm. It is just a huge embarrassment for Kraft, huge embarrassment for the <clears throat> National Football League, and we are just at the really the start of the legal proceedings in this thing. Right. And it will be a real interesting thing to see how it plays out. It, it raises so many issues on so many levels, but it's it's a big moment for the National Football League. Uh, it is. I mean, it seems like there's been a lot of controversial moments these last couple of years for the, from the player's side as far as uh, women abuse and, and obviously the protests that's been going on during the national anthem. Um, but uh, but this one from the owner's side, and even on the owner's side with, with, with Mr. Richardson in, in Carolina, um, you know, the things that came about with him. But uh, this, is, uh, this, is, this is very, very uh, surprising, especially from a guy like Mr. Kraft and you know his international connections and all the things that he's done, and being one of the the top five, if not the top three owners in the National Football League, a part of that billionaire boys club league. Um, this is this is very surprising, especially coming off of a Super Bowl win. But uh, but I don't think it's going to be drawn out. I think it's going to be resolved 
shortly and once all the information come out. But uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm eager to see what information actually is released, if any. Well, let's let's talk about what we know right now and sort of the take. Hey, look, I don't think it lingers either. It, no. it'll be somewhat swift justice or injustice, as the case may be. But the fact is, the National Football League has come up, come down very hard on people for the personal conduct policy. Yeah. And when you have one of the most respected owners caught in the crosshairs of it, it'll be interesting to see how yeah, they how, deal with that. How hard they're going to... You're right. And the NFL has issued a statement saying, it applies to everybody. We want to see. And and you, and you mentioned Richardson, who made just ridiculous comments, right. racial comments, sexist comments, and and they basically forced him to sell the right. Carolina Panthers. Yep. And he sold. He consummated that sale a little over a year ago. And you also have, as far as owner penalties based on their conduct. Ursay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, mm-hmm. had a six-game suspension for his DUI arrest and drug possession mm-hmm. charge going back to 2014. So, there is some precedent to penalties given to owners. Ownership. Um, this, on the criminal scale, comes back lower. But you're right when it conjures up things that involve women and disrespect right. in that world that uh, you know the NFL tries to be at the forefront of and penalize its own players harsh. So, we've never yeah. had an owner to deal with. And it's going to be really interesting as it this is. plays out. But let me let me go over some of the the facts of this that we know right now. The, the arrest was announced, or the charges were announced. He hasn't actually been formally processed yet, but the charges were announced on Friday down in Jupiter, Florida, by the chief of police. And it seemed like a publicity stunt in a large way to me. There, there can be. From a standpoint of policy-wise, you can talk about reasons and basis for pursuing an investigation and, and kind of whole. Uh, scandal that you're seeking to get mm-hmm. into something like this, because they alleged in it that Mr. Kraft was part of something that is basically sex, uh, slave, prostitution, and right. sale, and things like that. Look, Kraft's allegation is that he went into this strip mall and went to the Orchids of Asia Day Spa. And you know the there, name of it? He, he, listen, they gave me some facts. I don't, I'm not personally familiar with it. <laughs> they gave me some facts. And, and we've seen these places all over. Now, I don't know whether they're a prostitution place or not. I don't know what he's talking about. But, I ain't but, seen none of these places. I don't know what they look I've like. I've seen the signs I've, going I down I the highway. I see no signs. And, I'm focused on the road. No, but, I, but I don't know that they're all illegal activity. However, right. it's a massage place. You're getting the shoulder rubs. However, the sex slave. Aspect yeah. of it is significant, and right. I in in my when you use those words, yes. In my prior lives as a prosecutor and criminal defense attorney, I had some experience in dealings in these matters legally. So let me and, ask you this: How do you prove that it's actually sex trafficking? Well, because well, that's that's listen, the whole listen, thing. Joe, we could go on when and we want to get to Tynus. So I want to I want to cut to the chase because <clears throat> the fact is that that is not what he's charged with. They're alleging that it was part of that, and the right. fact, and, the and there absolutely is precedent in history of women being sold from Asian countries, most notably Korea, for a large amount of money. Yeah. And they're sold here for in the range of $50,000, et cetera. And they work off that at very low rates. We know, and we, we know it goes on. And so, well, I, you know, I don't know that we do or don't. Because yeah, we do. Be, or maybe we do. The country does. Come on. The powers that be know. Perhaps. And maybe people don't really care for the most part, except when a guy like Robert Kraft gets caught in it, exactly. which makes a whole lot of questions, including most significantly his own judgment. A 77-year-old, at least six billionaire 
Worth owner of the New England Patriots is flying around his private jet, is going into the Orchids of Asia Day Spa two consecutive days. And here's the interesting thing: <laughs> two consecutive <laughs> days, back to back, back to back champion. You got back to back massage champion. You got. I guess he got good service the first day because he went back for day two. But you got to hear what day it was on, and that's what it, like really got me. He went in on January 19th, 2019. We're talking just over a month ago. Yeah. He went back on January 20th. Well, January 20th, while he's in Jupiter, Florida, That's the morning uh, of January 20th, yeah. was the day of the American Football Conference Championship right. that the New England Patriots played in Kansas City. So Robert Kraft left the Asia, the Orchestra of Asia Day Spa after getting his con- second consecutive You know how I feel about the massage. situation. Until I see the video. I got on know. his private jet, flew to Kansas City, I, I accepted the Lamar Hunt Championship trophy for, for winning the AFC that year yes. and going to their Super Bowl where they won their six. Well, on that same know, day, he's going into, that's his pregame ritual, his yeah. pregame routine. <laughs> so, so I just, there's, there is humor in it. And and is he committing uh, the greatest crime in the world? You know, that we get into all sorts of other stuff yeah. that, that would take too long and go on too far. Um, but the fact is, I will say this, what? Awful judgment, though. And and the thing is, but Correct. they have announced, Jerry, and we haven't seen it yet, but they say that they have a videotape of the actual acts going on, that they videotaped him, filmed him, and, and at some point, that's going to be out there, and this will be... That video will never surface. Now, they got a video of him walking in. I, I think disagree, something, by the way, but... I, I know, just don't think that video is going to ever surface. We will we will see. TMZ, TMZ and Inquiry Minds want to know, and there's going to be a price on that videotape, and that will be the the. the most valuable videotape probably ever on the sex scandal, certainly probably even more so than Kim Kardashian's with Ray J. I mean, this is going to be a really interesting thing how it plays out. The actual criminal charge against him are relatively minor. Kim and Ray J. tape was legal, though. There was nothing wrong with that tape. On the, legal, well, on the legal aspect of it. And, and here they're claiming illegality, but nonetheless, it's going to be evidence put no, you're right, yeah, against yeah. him. So we will see. I mean, that's, that's, that's discovery. That's public domain discovery in criminal trials. Yeah. We will see what happens with it. I don't expect Robert Kraft will ever be incarcerated. Uh, at worst, will be probably some diversionary program, but it's just an embarrassment. And then when it's all over, from the legal standpoint, the NFL is going to have to deal with it. And I, you know, it's a sticky situation or maybe bad term, yeah. but, but it'll be something where he will certainly face some suspension, I'm sure. They're going to have to do that to deal with this overall embarrassment. I agree. I agree. They're definitely going to have to suspend them. I don't think they do anything that, that hurts the the team as far as oh, the I players and oh, things. I as far, I think, well, I mean, like draft picks and I, stuff like that. I think like there's that. a good shot that they lose a draft pick. You think so? I, I do. I, I do. Really? I do because there, ha- there has to be the viewpoint that <clears throat> the, in the position he's in, he has to exercise better discretion and judgment than to do that. And there has to be a penalty that says that. And I think, I think yeah, a salary time, cap penalty may be, you know, nah, that hurts the players. I, I, well, I would, so does a I draft pick. No, 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 no. The draft pick hurts draft the, pick team hurts the team too. Yeah. If you if you do a salary cap penalty, then you're taking away money that should be spent on players, and I'll go off on that. Well, if you think well, that could come I mean, play. not not. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I I, okay. I, sh- I didn't mean in that aspect okay. of it. Yes, you're absolutely right. All right. I take that back. Take away. They can't. Pick. They won't ever do that. They, they can't so do that. They can't do that. And, and whatever. Um, maybe give back a couple of their rings. Who knows? Anyway, is there, it's just it's just an. Interesting I just don't think it'll be fair to do something to hurt the players. Not not a player in particular, but to hurt the New England. No, to hurt the team. Ah, he's 
when I say the, the player is the team. He's the owner of the Patriots. His conduct. You can hurt him as his uh, for his judgment, but you. I don't see it. I don't see it being fairness. We're is, going is to another the topic. Team. If a player gets penalized for for something they do, it hurts the team. Why can't the owner get penalized? Right. I think he has a responsibility to himself, to the league, to the You're shield, right. and all You're that right. stuff, You're and right. to the New England Patriots and the New England Patriots. I think they should actually make them forfeit all their games. <laughs> <laughs> Play this year with thirty-one teams. <laughs> we, will, we will see the value, but at least touch on um, the Flyers one second before we're joined by by Dinosaurus, and that is on on Saturday they had this great game at the at Lincoln Financial Field, and over the past decade they've had these outdoor games at the football stadiums. Actually, the Flyers had a previous outdoor mm-hmm. game at Sissy <clears throat> Park, their baseball stadium, Fenway Park has hosted games, and it's just a, they're great spectacles. You, you wouldn't want to play a lot of games on the outdoors. The weather elements come into play on Saturday night in Philadelphia. It was a rainy night, not the greatest of weather right. conditions, um, but just a cool, cool spectacle. And the Flyers wound up having this great come-from-behind victory. When they go into the locker room after the game, the Flyers have this tradition of passing around a helmet where Captain Claude Giroux bestows it upon a player, and that player can either keep it or or pass it on. And on Saturday night, Claude Giroux, who had a great game-winning goal, Gave it to Jake Voracek, an assistant of his and his alternate captain, who's been his line mate for a good portion of this last decade and one of the great flyers over this time period, although he and Claude have never quite been able to lead them over the top. But he passed it on to Jake, who then made a speech knowing that there was a good shot with the trade deadline today and the contract situation stats of the career that Wayne Simmons is in and the fact that the Flyers were probably seen more as sellers than buyers, recognizing that the odds of them making the playoffs or making a good run are not for right now, maybe for future. It became pretty obvious that Simmons, who was in a lot of rumors, might be got traded. So he made this great speech about how much Wayne Simmons has meant to the team, how much they hope he's here. And it's just hockey is just such an interesting sport that way. There is more of a camaraderie and respect and team togetherness, and there really isn't any sport. And it was just an interesting thing to say, and then lo and behold, um, some 36 hours later, Wayne Simmons really was right. dealt to Nashville. He was just, he was a real good heart and soul flyer, the way the Flyers have been in this town for 50 years. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I watch ho- the hockey, but I don't understand a lot of, you know, the, the rules and things like that within the game, but, but Wayne has been here for a while, and he's been one of those you know, consistent players, and I think this is his first year going to the All Star game or second year or so. He didn't go this year. No, he didn't go this year. I thought he went he this year. Two, two, he hasn't gone. No, he hasn't gone for a while. Well, he's been but, in like one or two, but, but, but he's, he's, he's been a very consistent player and one of the guys that make the Flyers very interesting to watch the last couple of years. Because he's been here for what eight years, maybe or so. It was, Six. He came over. Yeah, I guess it was. It was close to eight years. He came yeah. over in the day the Flyers traded away the people that were seen as the nucleus and heart of the team. They traded both. Mike Richards, who was their captain, and Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter, right. Uh, Carter went to Columbus on that day, and Richards went to L.A. L.A. Yeah. And on in the and L.A. Two, trade, and two two uh, championships yeah, down there. With six years as a flyer. Six, okay. Six years, okay. So Voracek, and we, we appreciate <laughs> the voice from outside the glass with that actual fact. And um, on that day that they traded him, they, they traded Carter to Columbus, and they got back Jake Voracek. Mm-hmm. They traded Richards to L.A. and got back Wayne Simmons. And mm. Simmons has really been a great player. And he's physical. He's tough. Makes the most of his talent. Always gives that high energy. And he's been a really, true, truly good flyer. Um, but he'll be missed. I mean, he's really popular around town. He'll be missed. But by the same token, the Flyers have to look to the future. And right. Simmons has had a lot of injuries. And it was really kind of time probably to make that move. Um, with that... On our day where we're dealing with a lot of hockey, we will bring in, at this point, a, a guy who had a 
fabulous, fabulous hockey career, which started here in Philadelphia way back in 1996 when he was a first-round pick of the Flyers. In June of that year, after literally just turning 18, and then within a few months was playing at the Wells Fargo Center, which just opened that year. And so, and then went on to play 20 years of professional hockey and still very active in hockey. And we appreciate him coming on the show and being in the studio. Our dear friend, my longtime client and, and one of the my favorite people in the world, Dinah Zubis. Thanks for coming, Zuby. Yeah. Hey, hey, what hello. up, man? Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, Zuby's not shy. But when I first met him, he yeah. was. Uh, yes, I was. <laughs> I first met him in 1996. And, and Zuby, I want to chase your, your career. We're, we're heard all over on Wildfire Radio, but we're based here in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, um, and and your career started in Philadelphia, and, and your life has had a lot of ties here. So you grew up, you, you're born in Lithuania. Yep. You you go over and grow up a large portion playing for a junior team in Ukraine and being raised by a, yes. a coach over there, or at least spending a lot of time yes. away from your family. Talk about what that's like, because people in the United States don't really aren't familiar with that kind of commitment to what it takes and what you went through to, to become the NHL player that you did. Well, when I tell people my story, a lot of them, they can't really believe that actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some, so, so we could go on for hours, and I know, you know what, it's, it's a, that we don't even want to yeah. talk about, but, but and we don't. It's a bit of a story. I mean. <laughs> but, but I want you to really talk about what that's like. It's really unimaginable in this country. So talk about how Well, I have how kids now. I have kids now, right? My son, Thomas, is 16. My daughter, uh, she's 12, Emma. And when I was, well, I was 12 years old. I uh, started when I was actually 11, uh, first time, but I got on a train in Lithuania, in Vilnius, our capital, and got off the train 24 hours later in Ukraine. And you're there on With your my own just going. stuff. But you and, travel and, by yourself. Uh, yeah, I took a train by myself. You know, I, just my parents, they put me on a train, and there was somebody else. I mean, there's probably, I don't know, 30, 40 towns you go through, right, in 24 hours. So there are stops. And, but then I knew, you know, my stop where it was, and I think— Probably it was the the last stop, whatever. But I got out. There's people to pick me up. And your parents uh, would be arrested in this country for doing it. They probably, really would. probably, <laughs> probably would. Uh, and you know, I got off, and then I had my equipment and, and a little bit of clothing. And, and uh, first couple of times, I spent probably three months uh, with the team uh, just to kind of try it out because in Lithuania, hockey is not that popular. I mean, it's it is, but not really. Uh, so it was okay to start. I had a very good coach. Uh, his name is Alexei Nikiforov. He's uh, actually coaching right, on, right now in Long Island. And uh, but then when you get older, the hockey is not that great. So I need to get somewhere else and play better hockey and whatever. So well, so how'd they find you? Uh, they came to Lithuania to to my hometown. Uh, I think it was like for summer camp maybe the team. And at the time it was still Soviet Union. So that was one of the you know if not the best team for because I I played in my in in Lithuania I played for two-year-older team because my brother was that's how I got into hockey uh coach went to his school they said uh anybody wants to try hockey like I said it was Soviet Union at the time right so you didn't have to pay for anything really right especially for kids going playing sports so he came to school he said anybody wants to try it out come to the arena we'll give you skates and sticks and And you're how old uh, well, my brother was eight, and I was six. Okay. Because the coach said, if you have brothers, you know, they're a little bit older or younger, just bring them with you. If and you, you want. never skated. Uh, I skated once or twice before that because my dad actually played, you know, whatever kind of a men's league, you know. So, uh, 
Yeah. And then so my brother took me and from day one, I started with two year older kids. And that was an advantage. No, you're you're a, a large guy now, grew to be six five and hopefully yeah, six four. Stud that you are. <coughs> well, six six in skates. <laughs> that always amazes me, up. by the way, how, how big the NHL hockey guys actually are when you get up close to those guys. Yeah, that's not true. I'm there talking about height wise, like six some. like six four, there, six five guys. There like, are some. That's pretty Zubi's, big. Zubi's I'm six four. I know, and Zubi's basically. You're I'm not large, man. You're a large, large <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm not talking about like weight wise, but just <laughs> like height wise. You fill up half a room, man. You're you're a mountain. Appreciate that. But there's also plenty of guys on the smaller side. No, there are some smaller guys, yeah. I mean the guy like Claude Drew here in Philadelphia, I don't even know if he's as tall as I am at five ten, five eleven range. But And it's hard to catch those guys on the ice too. Yeah. You better well, be the NHL got faster and yeah. a little bit maybe smaller, too. It did, it did over in, in, the years. When I came in 96, I mean, look at the team that we had then at the Flyers, right? And we're going in a second. Yeah. But I, and I, I, but I want to continue going a little bit of your history, yeah. how you got there. So, you know, you... you, so you, you anyway, so I think I stopped where, you know, the team came over. Uh, they, they invited me to come to kind of spend a little bit of time with them, a couple, couple of months, and see if, if I fit their program and, and their team and everything else. So... And eventually, coach said, "If if you want to come and be a full time member of our team, uh, you'll be living with the family, uh, one of the kids that is on the team, and uh, you know you'll be going to school." And what so, about language wise at that? Point? Uh, my Lithuanian, in, in in our family, we speak Lithuanian, which is completely different than Russian. I know, but because it was Soviet Union, we out of three channels on TV, two of them were Russian, <laughs> and we were forced. We were, you know, really kind of forced a little bit uh, in school twice uh, a week take Russian, and also my my very first coach was Russian too, and his Lithuanian was not great. Okay, uh, I think it's better now, but uh, it was not great. So I was. My Russian was okay, not great, but was was good enough to get by and uh, go to school actually in in Ukraine in Russian. So uh, yeah, I graduated high school in Russian in in Ukraine in Kharkov. So so we fast forward and don't spend too much time in your youth because I also want to talk a lot about your pro career and yep. things like that. But so how does it lead to Dinah Zubris being a first round pick at the age of eighteen? Uh, in 1992, uh, we made a first trip to North America, and that was a peewee tournament in Quebec. Uh, to this day, I think it's my favorite tournament that I played as a kid. It was over 100 teams there. Uh, we played in the Coliseum where Nordiques used to play, um, and it's, it's just a fantastic tournament. I mean, there's a bunch of teams, and the way it was organized, and we were lucky. It, it was kind of unofficial, I guess, world championships for peewee, you know, 13-year-old kids, 14-year-old kids. So we somehow managed to win that tournament. And uh, after that, we got some invitations from different towns, uh, different cities in North America, uh, Canada, Toronto. I think we went to Toronto, then we went to Washington. Uh, and then over next, since 92 till 96, uh, we got a bunch of invitations to come over to North America and just do two, three months at a time tours and play a lot of games. So as I got older, uh, I started to get noticed, I guess, by scouts. And, and uh, so then a year before the draft, I came and I played Tier 2 hockey in Canada. And so, and so everybody knows, our listeners know, you're eligible to be drafted when you're 18. Your, yes. your, your year is 18. Now, you turned 18 during that year. Yes. Actually, uh, just, year, literally, I mean, a week, before, a week, a week before draft, I think, yeah, or whatever, right. something like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I came and I played uh, Tier 2 hockey near Ottawa uh, in Pembroke. 
uh, but team wasn't great, so we didn't miss, miss the playoffs. But before the playoffs, uh, they were able to put me on a, in a different league uh, in near Toronto. It was independent league, and anyway, so I went to Toronto. I want to say end of March probably, uh, and play few regular season games and then playoffs, and we won that league, and I think that was May. Uh, so I don't know if I I don't remember if I went home or not. I think I maybe did. But then the draft was that year in June. Now, going into that process, that last little time frame, yes. that bullet time period, were you expecting to get drafted in the first round at that point? You know, there's a, such a thing as a red line report, right. uh, which is, uh, you know, you don't really know about it. But, you know, if, if you're going to get drafted, you agents kind of do or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I had a good feeling about it. Uh, my agent at a time, Jay Grossman, we... You know, we actually went to the draft. It was in St. Louis. Uh, and you go there usually three months, well, sorry, three days before. But even when I was, I spent a little bit of time in his house, too. Uh, he lived in New York City. Uh, so we went to visit Devils, uh, Capitals. I'm not sure if we did Islanders. I don't think so. Uh, but then we go three days or so before the draft, and you have meetings with these teams that, you know, it's a, sometimes it's a 10-minute meeting, sometimes it's, you know, 40-minute meeting, whatever, and they ask you all kinds of questions. Uh, so I had a pretty good feeling that I was probably going to go first round. Uh, there's teams that were picking 20-plus maybe. They were kind of throwing out their comments where we don't think we're going to see you, but if we will, I think we would kind of like you to have you. So I, I had a feeling that I'll probably go somewhere, you know, in that range. So with the 15th pick of the 1996 NHL draft, the Philadelphia Flyers like Dinah Zubris. You know, that was, that, that was Toronto Maple Leafs pick because they traded the Yushkevich, Dmitry Yushkevich. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that became you. That became, yeah, I think so. Yes, I mean, somebody told me that. And I, no, that I makes think sense, that's true. Actually. I think that's true. So, so with the 15th pick, the Flyers yeah. selected you. Yeah. And at that point, you hadn't spent too much time in North America, but you'd been over here. How was your English at that point? Pretty good because we, 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 we came a bunch of times already, and we spent two, three times at a time, and we lived in families. And, uh, you know, obviously they try to talk to you, and, and uh, it was okay. It was okay. Plus, I spent almost a full year in juniors where, you know, you still watch TV and you listen to music and you try to sing in a shower. So, But, yeah, let's, I mean, think about it. You grow up in Europe. You're speaking Slavic languages and things mm-hmm. like that. And then through the world of hockey, you're, you're thrown into this world, and, that, and that's how you have to pick up English language. Yeah. People, people underestimate how difficult a transition that is to, to really make. You know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that easy. But at the time, I just didn't think much of it. And you know, you were I, a kid. I, yeah, I was a kid, and, and and honestly, I was kind of a focus on hockey too. And and you know, even juniors, like because after draft, um, there was a camp in Hamilton, I think, where a bunch of teams, I don't know, five six teams or so, they would send maybe seven eight guys. Uh, to train so they're not wasting the summer and they show up in the camp kind of ready or whatever. I'm not even sure if they do still things like that or not. Uh, but I went to Hamilton and I trained for probably good, you know, six weeks or so uh, before coming to the camp. And in the camp, I mean, even the organizers there, and in my head I was kind of thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the, te- you know, to the team, to, to the camp, try to make the team. And you know, there's there's things that went right, of course, because at the time was a uh, uh, the draft, not draft, sorry, the 
the waivers. Remember how the sure, waivers? Sure. So, Absolutely. so they had to go. I think there was like a certain amount of players that to be protected, and uh, I think the, the Flyers were a little bit of an older team, so I think they 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 released or Rob DeMaio got picked up okay. and Bob Corcum I think got picked up. Wow. So there's a little bit of space that was opened up, and I was still you know I stuck around still throughout the camp, and that was towards the end of it. And uh, sure enough, I was offered a contract, and uh, you know, a week later, I started. I was the youngest flyer ever. I think still am. You I still think. are. You still, still am. You were, yeah. you, were, you were about yeah. 18 years. I think I was the youngest months. player in the league that year too. And uh, but yeah. you but you joined a pretty veteran lead in really really good hockey team that won very good hockey team. Your first, yeah, first I mean now looking back, very good hockey team. So yeah. so imagine that, Jerry. Here he <clears> comes. He's 18 years old. Yeah. Spent most of his life over in Lithuania and Ukraine, and now he's starting for the Philadelphia Flyers at the age of, of the tender age of 18 <clears> years, about three months. And that team was good, and, and immediately you're playing first line stuff and things like that. Well, later on, I was uh, my first game. You know, you said the uh, Vakovia, it was Kursay Center. Well, this, yeah. and let's no, go no. Back. 1996, <laughs> the Flyers moved from the Spectrum to what is now the yes. Wells Fargo Center. It's, it's gone through several incarnations. Yes. We've had four different banks close the sales. So, right, it opened as Kursay Center, Center, yeah. And then it became then it was the Vakovia, then the First Union, and then it Some was like, Wells yes. Fargo yeah. because yeah. the banks kept getting sold. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. So, the first NHL hockey game in the Wachovia Center in October of 1996, <clears> and the Flyers' first goal is scored by number nine. Yeah, Dinosaur. was a lucky goal, man. He <laughs> <laughs> said you guys went to the finals. That you went, yeah, to the, went finals, to the finals. That was your yeah. first year. That was my rookie year. Yeah. How, how yeah. was that? Because because my rookie year, we went to the NFC Championship, one game away from the Super Bowl. And wow. And uh, you know, as a rookie, for me, I was like, man, I was, I was like, I'm gonna be in this. Every single season. That's exactly and, how I thought. And, and, and little did I know, <laughs> no, it wasn't I, as know, easy as, no, as, as no, it no, seemed no, no. that first year. Exactly. And and you know we 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 get to the finals and uh, uh, we beat pretty good teams along the way too. First round, I think we beat uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. And, okay. uh, that's when uh, Mario retired the first time. Yes. Um, then the second round was Buffalo, I think, and it was fairly smooth. Rangers. I think four one. I think first series, second. And then the Rangers, you know, obviously, we were good. Rain, you know, Gretzky yeah, and Messi, Gretzky, and, Messi and, and Leach and, and Richter. I mean, Richter was still oh, in there. Yep. Just crazy good team. And I think we, I think we'll, I want to say we beat them four one two. I think in the series. Um, and then we went on to the finals. I, I yeah, remember. I think it was four one. You had the big win. You were up two nothing going there. One and then get or they want to cut it to two one. You had a great victory with scoring in the last few seconds. It was yeah, I remember that. Big E scored a big goal, big backhander goal. off the yes. boards there. With yeah, it was Johnny like a six seconds. Yeah, yep. yeah. And I think that game, I think I already played with them because when we got to the conference finals, the, you know, I played quite a bit in the first line. So uh, yeah, I remember those games. And then we get to the finals, and uh, you know, we get yeah, falls apart. A choking and, situation. Uh, but that's yeah, <laughs> that's another very, subject. Very, I don't know. It has their, nothing to do with anything. Their coach got fired after taking them to the NHL finals. Oh that's wow! How, that's how bad the finals wow. fell apart and losing. To yeah, the it was it was disappointing. But I don't think you know Terry was actually really good to me, and, and I think he's a good coach. So you know whatever I, I the whole situation was. He's still kind of, in the Flyers organization all these good, years later. Good, good. I'm actually very you know, well respected. It was unfortunate. yeah, good, good. Because I saw him uh, when I played with the Capitals. I think I saw him. I think it was with the. 
the Flyers are, are so I've seen, I've seen him around, and I when I do see him, I say hello, and that, you know he's a good man. Uh, he is, and and but I want to talk a little bit about that team before we move on to the rest of your career. But that was such an interesting team, and it was a team that I was certain was going to win a Stanley Cup at some point in the future. They yeah. were just loaded. The ages were right. You know, you had this superstar in Eric Lindros, who yeah. people probably don't remember just how good and dynamic he was. He he was a guy, Ja, who was huge. He was yeah, Zuby size <clears throat> and he could skate and move and oh strong. And when he would st- he was just when he would step onto the ice, the electricity and all the stuff he could do. I mean, he, he, oh, he was going to be an all time great and unfortunately suffered sure. the, the the concussions and yep. the injuries and the yeah, flyers yeah. the flyers organization kind of turned on him and, and Eric didn't necessarily handle everything great himself, but the Flyers were really tough on him. Eric was Eric was represented. We talk about the the legal business side of sports a lot on here, Zuby. And Eric was represented by his family, and probably yeah. not the best thing for a player because everything that went on with his camp and trying to protect him was not just seen as business. It was also seen as family being meddling and his and taking care of their I mean, son too much. I, I don't know if I, you know, like you say, would want my dad or somebody, you know. But that's a different subject. Uh, I know his fam- well. I know his family fairly well, and I, I mean, of course. But people don't know about Big E things that you know. He he is a good man. Like he, you know, my rookie year, I was I was before Christmas. I was still in Hampton Inn. I was still living at the hotel because they didn't want me to live by myself. So I was still at the hotel, and he he asked me. He said, "Okay, you still there?" I said, "You're coming with me to Toronto for Christmas." So I spent Christmas with his you know with his mom, dad, brother, sister, and and then from there, I think we flew Western Canada right away. So. You know things like that. Are, I will always remember. I'll be thankful. And, and he's he's a good man. I mean, I saw him. Uh, I don't know a few years back. Now he was involved a little bit with NHLPA. Sure. Uh, so I saw him, and I mean, I'd love to see him again and, and talk with him a little bit. But he's you know he was a good captain. It was, was, a good it, was man. it was good that after a number of years. There was a lot of forgiveness on both camps, and the Flyers ultimately did retire his jersey. Good. Bob Clark was a leader in trying to get Eric into the Hall of Fame, which he did get into, despite the fact that his career numbers never reached the level they would yeah. have because yeah. of his career was because short. Because short, yeah. But for those years, Jav, that he was... He was healthy. Well, he dominated. He, he dominated the game, and he was fun. He played with John LeClair, and you had yeah. the privilege of yeah. playing on that line with them for a while. I did a little bit. I did a little bit. It was, you know, a giant LeClair too. He's just. Just so strong. I mean, you know, from hash marks in in the, you know, in, in other end. I don't think there was a. I don't know if I've played with anybody better than that. But you uh, and you had other great players on that team. Rod Brindamore was was a really terrific yeah, player to yeah, play with him yeah, on the defensive yeah. side. You had Eric Desjardins. No, he was all had, around. You had yeah. Paul Coffey. You had a. We were loaded, man. The, like, the I'm Flyers goaltenders have been an interesting bunch through the years, but you had two guys that wound up being general manager of the yes. NHL, and yes. Ron Hextall and Garth Snow, both yeah. GFs. Yeah. It was just, yeah. it was, and you had veterans like Peter Svoboda, who was a former Stanley well, Cup champion in Montreal and a, yeah. world, a, a Olympic gold medalist for a Czech Republic. Well, my first line uh, linemates were Joe Otto, Sean Podine. And you know, and great Dale people Howard too. Dale Howard Chuck too, exactly. Rookie year, yeah, he was but, there. Yeah, and it was just yeah. it was Pat Falloon really was on too. Loaded, yeah. good, Lo- fun, fun hockey yes. team. Yanni Ninima, who went on to have a great career. Yeah, too. No, Yanni was another rookie who, who was playing at Board rookies. They didn't have these guys go to the Myers. They took him in Dynas and Yanni and threw him right in. <clears> and to the major. Them, yeah. Well, Yanni was a little bit older. I think he already had experience. Yeah, exactly. He played professionally overseas. He hadn't played over there. Exactly. Exactly. So my first, my rookie year actually. 
Uh, also, Rick, me and him went to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot, like, the kids' uh, discounts and stuff. Right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. We were sharing were you, slurpees. Were you tall enough to ride? <laughs> Not. <laughs> oh, man. Fun. That was we fun. Talk about kids in a candy store. And I can't forget, like, Michael Renberg also was a yeah, real Yeah, exactly. Real Michael Renberg was, was, was the Legion of Zoom, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Renberg, LeClaire, and yeah. Lindros, and you fill in sometimes. But you, you had a really good playoffs. You scored, if I recall, five goals during those playoffs, which yeah. is an awful a lot, and it was just a, a fun, a good run. run. You even had Michelle run. Petit, my former client, on that team at the end of the year. <laughs> Carl Bakehouse. <laughs> you know what? Actually, that team, I still, you know, Dan Lacroix, for example, uh, he was my roommate for for a long time, well, for those year and a half or so, but uh, to this day, he's my, one of my better friends. And and there's some other guys, too, like this Carl Bakehouse, and, you know, I, I spent yep. my summers in Montreal, so he lives nearby, and uh, anytime I see I've seen Peter Svoboda a couple of times too. Uh, well, he's an agent. Those he guys, yeah. He's represented guys from yeah. Yager. He represents yeah. Voracek now. Yeah. Yeah. He's represented yeah. a whole lot of Czech players. But anytime years. I see, there's like maybe a few months ago, Sean Podin needed kind of something, whatever. So he called me and I was, you know, just jumped on that to call him back. And there was something about that team that were actually ja- you know, good, good, good people. Hockey's different this way, Jerry, than, than football and, and <clears> other sports. And you had a real close bunch in New Orleans. Certainly your offensive line was always close, and you had mm. some other guys who mixed in, and you, you did a lot as a team. That Flyers team did everything together. Everything together. Yeah, we had fun. We had fun. It was just you know, Yanni Nino, I saw, well, my last few games in, in, the, in the league, in the finals, he was working, for, I think he's, I mean, no, he's like for, for Finnish TV. Yeah. So I see him in the finals, and, you know, of course, you know, we, we hug it out and we had some laughs. And, uh, yeah, it was a good team. It was a good team. It was a lot of fun, guys. Anyway, so so going on, though, unfortunately, <coughs> from Philadelphia's standpoint, and, and, and Jai, you have to picture this. Dinas is this 18-year-old, and he's really the heartthrob. He's like a teen idol. All these girls, <laughs> all these teenage girls have his poster on their wall. And for years, and including this past weekend, we still run into girls who come up to him and say, I had your poster on the wall when I was 12 years old. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the fact is, he was 18 or Rock so, star. and they were 12. Rock star. Now yeah. he's 40, and they're 34. <laughs> exactly. No, it's true. And they're married with kids. Yeah, and, and, it's not yeah. as creepy as I'm making it sound. It's, it's no, a but really it's actually funny. It's, it's a really funny, funny yeah. thing. We used to call them the Zubets. All these girls who love <laughs> and worshipped him. He was kind of an idol yeah. around town. And, and, and I, you know, I watched him literally grow from this kid who came here to the, the man you became. Um, and before I get rid of the Philadelphia years, and you got traded you got traded for a great player. They brought in a veteran, Mark Reckley, yeah. yeah. a terrific player. The, the unfortunate part is they broke up that team so quickly, and the Flyers had this way of trading their young town too fast. They got rid of Yanni Ninimu also, who we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Then later, <clears> years later, it was Justin Williams, who's still playing in the star, you know, they got rid of him after yeah. they, they got rid of this young kids so quickly. They didn't give him time to develop. They threw him right into the NHL, and then they, you know, got rid of him quickly. And yeah. you're, you're making faces, but go ahead. I would have loved. No, to see you know, I think the, the team, like you said, they were so, you know, they're so close to at least people felt so close to winning. They just kept pushing, right? I mean, and you know, was you have favorite you know, traded for. So you know, you can't complain about the guy they got in return. No, absolutely. You. I mean, he's. I mean, he went on to have a. Crazy good career that and, and winning cups and exactly that made sense. No, <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I was you know he was I think was going to be free agent if I'm not mistaken in in Montreal. Correct. So they, he got back. I mean, I think he played in, in Philly before that, and probably signed an extension right away or whatever that would happen. But um, yeah, and he went on to play really well for for Flyers. But I think they they felt that they're so close to winning the cup or, or hoping you no know, so they're doing pushing everything possible to to, to get there and 
They never um, got back to a finals. Never, well, never, never, never. Well, they got to finals. In, in 2010, they exactly, did. Much later. A totally different bunch. Of yeah, much that. later, much later. So, but that, that Eric Lindros nucleus never got back. And, yeah. and well, was, I mean, they went on signing Ronix and, you know, a bunch of yeah. bringing guys in. And, and goalies and whether it be Eastbrook or whoever. The free agency was different, too, right? Yep. I mean, at the time, I was 30 years old. Uh, so anything about yes, time, you had exactly. To, you had to, it was not based on anything of experience. It was based on age. It was over twenty nine. Age, or, or I think it was ten years in the league. That's under when you league, a free agent. Mm, yeah, league minimum or whatever, or league average, I should say. Yes. Uh, so it was that. Uh, so they, you know, they would always bring guys. They were kind of in their 30s and then signed them, and, and they were really good players. Well, that, was a, that was a move they made. Out. After that Stanley Cup runner-up season to Detroit, uh, they then went out in the offseason. This was one move that I thought was extremely peculiar. They signed Chris Gratton, a young center from Tampa, yeah, and paid yeah. him, if I was not mistaken, it was something like nine years, 45 million, or five years, 45 million, something like that, which was way more money than guys like John LeClaire were getting and things like that. It was the kind of thing that kind of Some, was just a, a really questionable move about you know I think there was if I'm not mistaken there was a first year was really loaded I don't think there was like a you know the CBA had you know whatever the rules were or maybe there's any rules um, so I think people were kind of not upset but you know whatever they, that- in, 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 in Philly people expected a lot from him too and and he was I mean I, I played with him too he's a good player good player uh, no really good guy too and uh but not actually, they brought in Alexander Daig to remember him. Sure, so another, a another diva. He was the first overall pick in the league, but he was really he was yeah. really a diva who, who saw himself more as like uh, an actor model. Oh, uh, you know what? Actually, I don't know. He was a little bit different guy at the time, yeah. um, and and but he was always nice to me. And I saw him maybe five years ago in Montreal. Uh, yeah, we said hello. I'm sure you did, and everybody always loved you. So, so you go to Montreal, another country for you, another language for you, and a whole different experience. What was yeah. it like playing for that team? The you know the, the team that was kind of the staple of the NHL for so long, and the elite team in Montreal. You know, in that like? town, you you have to make playoffs to enjoy it. And we were so close. You know, one year missed by I want to say maybe last game of the season, we lost and we missed it by a point or two. Uh, but to really enjoy that town. Uh, well, first thing when I got there, I remember who it was. It was a player, maybe media, well, like a PR guy. He said, don't listen to the you know, radio or, or and don't watch news, don't read papers. Stay away from all that. And I did. I mean, which I never really cared in any town to kind of pay attention too much to that. Uh, but it helped me because, I mean, over there, I mean, hockey is a religion and everybody just uh, day to day they live and then every fan in the in the building things they GM and and it's it's a different the NHL culture in in Canada is different I mean for sure and so that that team didn't quite get there and I don't want to spend too much time there because there's so much things I want to hit in your life and we don't have that much time so you get traded to Washington yep and Washington, you had some great years, and you really flourished in your yeah, career and stepped so, up to yeah. be that first-line player. And you played, and you got paired with a young rookie they brought in from Russia named Alex Ovechkin, yeah. <laughs> who's become truly, in my opinion, certainly the best goal scorer of the last probably even two decades, certainly of this generation, the yeah. best goal scorer, yeah. uh, and one of the all-time greats and finally sure. won his yeah. Stanley yeah. Cup yeah. last yeah. year. Yeah. But you got to play with him. He was your rookie. You were kind of took him under his wing as a big brother. Talk about your experience with Alex, Alex Ovechka, that tremendous talent. Uh, well, when he came in, he – well, there was a lockout, right? Uh, remember that? Yep. Uh, where we missed the whole year. And he played in Russia. So when he came to play – in NHL, he had some experience playing with men. Um, 
And yeah, when I think Andrew Castles was actually was his first centerman for maybe 15 games or so. And then uh, coach was Glenn Hanlon. Um, I don't know, somehow he put me and him together. And we, we kind of I don't know, clicked. We, we played pretty well and uh, for almost two years until I got traded. Uh, well, Honestly, we- almost every time he stepped on the ice, I was right next to him. And, and we we're whether it was a power play or penalty kill. And, and I mean, we were actually killing penalties together a little bit. So yeah, it was it was it was a fun time. It was well, fun statistically, hockey. those were the best years of your career. You were playing yeah. with him. And yeah. Scoring well, you know, I, I played you know all those kind of a key minutes, key moments, and stuff like that. And I loved it. Honestly, and all yeah. That I mean, and and it was a fun, good team, and a team that looked like it was going the right direction. And I was representing you at the time, and yeah. then you were at the end of a contract. Yep. And we it, things were changing in the NHL. You know, we had the salary caps, and things things were really changing, and we wanted to negotiate a long term deal. Yep. And uh, and we could the, the Capitals wanted to keep you, and we went back and forth for a while. Their general manager George McVie was now the general manager of Las Vegas, and yep. in his first yep. year was executive of the year and took them to the finals. Yep. And, you know, but he had a tremendous regard for you. He did not want to trade you, but we ha- we could not come to terms on a length of contract. And you at that point wanted security. You wanted the long term deal. Well, yeah, I was. Uh, I mean, that was. Was I thirty? No, I wasn't thirty. You were. Was, you were almost. You were. This was, was two thousand seven. Seven. So six into seven. Two thousand six. And yeah. And, so I was twenty eight. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and so, but you're coming up into the real critical years of earning power in the league, uh, and so. We wanted we wanted to have security, and you could you know you want to make sure injuries wise and things like that that yep. you were taking care yep. of because yep. you saw what happens at that stage you could be just discarded yep. and you had never made the big money so on, on the trading deadline just as, as we are here today yes. on this trading deadline a little over a decade ago the Washington Capitals on I mean basically what they told me was they weren't willing to go more than three years and we really wanted six years and, and had good comparisons of those. No, that was 2007. Yes, Seven, 2007. 2007, Good. exactly. So yes. I was 29. And yeah, I was, uh, I came that day, we had a game. We, I came to morning skate and I was told not to skate. <laughs> they said, my equipment's <laughs> back, just don't skate. <laughs> so I said, all right, fair enough. Uh, and yeah, so I went, I still, you know, went on with my, you know, pregame game, like the, the, the whole day. Uh, I enjoyed my meal, went for a nap. And, uh, and woke ritual. up, yeah. And I and I woke up to, to a phone call saying you're going to Buffalo, and, and Buffalo, which might not sound like a great destination in general, but but you joined a really great Buffalo team. And as we talked earlier in the show about Wayne Simmons being traded, at trading deadlines, there's buyers and sellers. There's teams that feel they want to gear up for a run at the Stanley Cup for that season, and yeah. other teams that know they're not going to make it this year and they want to pick up draft picks. So Buffalo sent a first round pick for you to Washington, and you went to Buffalo and joined a really terrific team. I mean, we won present trophy. Which is for the most points in the league. And it was just a loaded bunch of, uh, between Chris Drury, Daniel Breer, uh, Vanek, Pomerville, young, young players, and and on and on. And again, off Roy, Vanek. Your goaltenders were super. Yeah, and and, and Miller, yeah. Miller was and a young Ryan Miller. Well, Biron was, I think, traded that, yeah. But Ryan Miller was in the net, yeah. Um, I think Biron was traded somewhere. That maybe did he come to Flyers actually that deadline. He, maybe he, he, might have gone. he went. He went. He and, went yeah, but, I think. But, but they were just a loaded, great hockey team and a fun team to watch. And you lost to a Ray Emery led Ottawa Senators in the Stanley yeah. Cup yeah. Conference Final in, in the, the Eastern well, Conference Well, Alfredson Heatley, 
and Spezza. A really good team. It was a that was that line kind of you know they that playoffs they played real well. We lost in like the last game was in Buffalo like a tough double overtime game. Uh, it was something. It, but you know what that six. that year those last two games I I, I don't think I even played because I had banged yeah. up my knee pretty right. good at the time. So yeah, which led to so so Buffalo had given up a first round pick for you, and now we're going to free agency. And it was a big free agency season two thousand seven. They actually Buffalo let that team disintegrate in essence because they let. Yeah. Yeah. Drury went to the Rangers for big money. Briere went to the Flyers for big money. Yeah. And they had given up this first-round pick for you a few months earlier, and they let you go. And we wound up signing with the New Jersey Devils for yeah. six years, which led to a real enjoyable stint in New Jersey, yeah. which yeah, we, and there was it. a second contract in that. But when I talked to Buffalo later about it, and I was always miffed by the fact that they gave up the first-round pick for you. You played extremely well for them. They, had a, they You were part of a team that looked like it was going to be really good, and they let you go without really any effort to keep you. And they had concerns about that injury that kept you out of those last couple of games. Yeah, but lo yeah. and behold, you end up playing another nine years in the NHL, so yeah, the laugh yeah. was on them. And Buffalo was never good again. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've struggled a little bit since then. Um, They're on the way up now because they've been so bad that they've picked up some great players yes, in the draft. Yes, yes, but in exactly. General, exactly. Some have, good young players right now. They're fun to watch. They have, they have not done well since that time. They missed you. But uh, And then you go to New Jersey, and you joined a team that had won three Stanley Cups not that far before then, yeah. in, in 1995, 2000, 2003. Lou Lamarillo, one of the real great GMs in the league, yep. brought you in. He yep. recognized. He thought. I remember him saying to, to me while he courted you in free agency, he calls me up, he goes, and, and then and then we met with him and walked through the new building and things like that. Yep, and it's got yep, Stevens, yep. a great defenseman who really was responsible in a large part. Boy, we have some great ties to, to the Eric Lindros thing where Kasparaitis, your fellow Lithuanian, one of two guys who's ever made it to the NHL from Lithuania, yep, was the guy who yep. gave Lindros his first concussion. And then yeah, the Scott one. Stevens was the guy who gave him at Another least one, yeah. the worst ones, And yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But great, great hockey player. All within the rules. Nothing dirty. But rules, unfortunately, have changed because they've taken the head hitting yes, out of the game, which yep. they should have. I used to... So I used to fight about it's, that in NHL yeah. um, but but that's a different topic. It's a different topic. Yeah. So yeah. you wind up signing with the Devils, but Lou, after meeting with you and, and Steven spending time with you, I remember the, the words they said, and to them, this was the biggest compliment they could say about him. They said, "He's one of us," and that mean that means so much. That your personality, your temperament, your demeanor, your team play aspect uh, was what they wanted with the Devils, and you had a nice. I mean, you were with one team for eight years. That's a pretty long run. Well, I, I believe. I mean, when we went to see Lou, um, I, I, you know, throughout my career, I saw how he built teams and and you know how how the how he managed and, and so I just believed in the whole you know the way they build put teams together and uh, you know their their best player was in net and and nobody was sort of bigger and, and more important than than anybody you know just. Uh, everything was done to win games, and you could tell the way they played and the way you put the teams together that uh, you know nothing's more important than the win. You know, it's, it's and I, funny. And I, I like that, Dinas. It's funny that uh, Lou, Lou was a really interesting guy in my life. I learned a lot from talking to him, hanging around him, and one of the things he said, and he said that you know their best player was in the net. Um, he said to me, he goes, "My my best." defenseman is on the ice 60 minutes. And in one of the things in hockey, you know, Jerry, we talk about basketball all the time. And in basketball, you know, the, the star player, you got five guys on the court. And if LeBron James is your best player, he's going to be on the court for 40 minutes. They're almost right. the entire game, 40-plus minutes in a 48-minute game. Yeah. In the playoffs, he's barely going to come out. In hockey, <clears throat> because it takes so much conditioning to win, your best 
defenseman <clears throat> can only be on the ice no more than 25 minutes, and that's rare. I mean, it's really a 20-minute max performance. You know, yeah, some guys, they go a little bit longer little, on a D, but that's But, yeah, but we're a talking about a third of the game. Right. So Lou looked at it, Mart- Martin Brodeur, arguably the best goalie of all time, certainly in the argument. He holds a whole for lot sure. of statistics, sure. records, most wins, and things like that. Yep. He was on the ice for 60 minutes is how Lou Lamorella looked at it. So as long as his best player is on the ice, and we talk about NFL, the value of an NFL quarterback— an NHL goalie may be the most valuable player, most valuable position in all sports and the most meaningful. And as long as... I mean, it could, yeah. It, it could. It's certainly in the argument. Yeah, it's definitely in the argument. Well, if, you, yeah. if your goalie's not good, you're not winning many games. No, that's Because sure. it's a lot exactly. of shots on goal. Exactly, in, exactly. In, 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 and if the goalie is good, I mean, the, the momentum shifts, you know, right. he makes a big save. You know. <clears throat> well, you see with the Flyers, they brought up that young kid and it's like, they just start playing well, better. And exactly. I was like, why, why, why are they playing better now just because... They got somebody All stopping exactly, the puck. Start feeling, exactly. <laughs> you know, you get the little swag. You, yeah. know, you start feeling better, and it's a, it's a, it. The goalie is definitely, definitely. I mean, um, you know, if 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 you're playing real well and you kind of expect some saves to be made, right, you know, yeah. you kind of just expect it. And if they are not, then then you know, then you fall apart. And then if the goalie makes saves that you think they're not. You know, almost not supposed to be right, yeah. and almost like saves the goal or two right in the game. Then you're, you know, then then their confidence and your energy and everything goes even higher. So, you know, it, it helps, definitely helps. Yeah, it's just like DBs and, and, and D line. You know, if your D line is getting pressure and, and creating chaos for the QB, he throws up some some exactly bad balls that where the DBs get their hands on the ball. So I definitely understand that in yeah. uh, in that in that respect. Of, but uh, but yeah, so I heard y'all talking about the lockout year, and, and through my career, I had uh, we were facing a lockout. We didn't actually lock out, but you know yep. we had to prepare for that and talk about it. But then I also heard you guys talking about Ovechkin, and yep. you said during that lockout year he got to play against some. I guess played in it, Russia. Well, I played in Russia too. Okay. We missed the whole year, and <clears throat> a bunch of NHLers went to, went over there exactly to play. Went to Russia. Gotcha. So you know that year, the Russian league was best hockey in the world. A bunch of NHLers went, and, uh, you know, I went there as well because I was, you know, I was 27, 26 years old or whatever, uh, and I felt like I definitely can't miss a year. Uh, I have right. to keep playing somewhere. Yep. So, you know, it wasn't easy. Uh, you know, my wife and my son at the time, uh, they stayed in Montreal, and uh, thank God for in Europe they have these breaks every two months or so. They have about a week to ten days breaks in the season, okay. where right away I told you know in Russia I said I, I don't really know what you guys do during those breaks, but I'm going back home because I'm going <laughs> to miss my family and that's more important to me than anything else. So they said okay, and nice. yeah, so I did that, but it was it was tough. It was not easy. So Zuby, look, I can keep going with you for hours, and we've already used up most of our show. So there's some things I definitely want to hit before the end of the show. First of all, because and and your career. We've, we're rushing through the, the last few years, but in 2012 with the Devils, you guys go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. And you lose to the LA Kings. Yeah. You had some really heartbreaking losses with the Devils. You lost to the Carolina Hurricanes in the conference yeah. final, or in, in the playoffs in, in the game seven, where they went on to win the Cup. Yeah. And a team that you thought should have probably beaten, and they won the Cup that year. That was back no, in Carolina two, didn't win that. Yeah. That was the year the Carolina. No, 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 no. no, 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 no they, but they, but they beat you. And, and that was 2000. Right, yeah, there's, there's Carolina. Carolina. Carolina won it in 2006, yeah. so it wasn't the year they won the yeah. cup. But anyway, yeah. you had you had heartbreaking losses, and um, and they well, the LA was. I mean, in the finals was a you know looking back because you know I, I played quite a bit. Uh, you know, my my line mates through that year, most of them was Patrick Eliash and, and Peter Sikora, and we 
know, a lot of nights we were matched up against the top players or top lines, and uh, you know, I played quite a bit on the penalty kill and and you know, power plays too. So you know, I had a you know, I, I loved my role in the team at the time, um, and I played quite a bit, and I felt like you know. If, if that was a year, I definitely wanted to win that year. And it was, you know, that's one I think looking back, probably the toughest one. Well, then you, you're in your last year, you wound up playing with the San Jose Sharks. So you spent your yeah. whole entire career in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. And then the San Jose Sharks, who had a bunch of good veterans, I mean, a really interesting team in a loaded West. Uh, you went out there, and that team in it's the Stanley Cup Files in your early year. Yeah. Right? And you came up just short in that year as well. But, <laughs> but, to, but talk about that experience. That was to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah. Well, that, you know, that was probably the funnest year I've had maybe in hockey. So, so, uh, so Jerry, think about that. Here's mm-hmm. a guy who's had a 20-year career, mm-hmm. started with the Flyers, went to three Stanley Cup finals, and his funnest year was that last year. Could, could You know that, what? I mean, year. arguably, yes. I mean, we, we when it was in Washington, too, because there was a bunch of young guys, and we always mixed kind of good. And, you know, so those two years when, you know, we mentioned Ovechkin, those are fun years, too, looking back. Um, but San Jose was something about the locker room and somehow – you know, well, Joe Thornton, Jumbo, and 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 you know, and and Pavelski and Marlowe and and Burns a bunch and those of guys. Famers probably well, on that team. exactly, a bunch of those. You know, those. I mean, I'm, we're talking big, 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 big names and big players. Um, but they are such a f- simple, easy guys that you know, even the young guys could joke with them. And we had this, you know, team chat where every day there's jokes on you know people all the time. And I don't know. Somehow, looking back, uh, actually, they were in town. I mean, I live in Florida now, so they they. Last two years now, when they come to Florida, <laughs> they let me skate with them. Uh, so I go in the ice and I, and I joke around with the guys, and, and we still, you know, kind of look back and, and and just how much fun that was. That but was the a forty-year-old guy could still play in the league, couldn't he? Uh, I think so. I want to believe I do. Yeah. <laughs> Should I, I believe I still I still play? <laughs> We're talking about that uh, Saturday. I've got no doubt. I got no doubt. Both but of you, you still know, play. hey. Uh, but, but Zuby, to, to bring it full circle, you still have tremendous ties to here. And, and, and we talked about, you know, you're from Lithuania. You spent a good part of your youth growing up in Ukraine. Then you, you come over here and you play a little bit in Canada, <coughs> but you know, a bunch of different uh, cities in, in this country. But you also became an American citizen. And I'm, yep. I, I'm proud of you personally for so many reasons. What's that mean to you? Being U.S.? Well, listen, I'm, I'm proud that I'm from Lithuania. Um, I go back, and now, I mean, I I played for a national team as well. Uh, I was uh, elected to be a president of a hockey federation. So I'm, you know, I travel back, and I try to give back, and it, it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm proud Lithuania as well. Uh, but U.S. realistically, you know, gave me something that no other country, you know, no opportunities like that uh, to play, to do what I love, and for this long, uh, you know, we, you know, you have a, Great holiday here, Thanksgiving, which you know, not really other, <laughs> my I favorite mean, holiday. You know, mine no, too. I think because no religious, it's not. No, religious it, no but you just exactly Everybody you, you exactly it. you just you just spend time with family, enjoy a nice meal, and and and, yeah. and kind of look back what you're thankful for and stuff. So I and love football. that as well, <laughs> exactly, and football. So yeah, but you know this this you know United States gave me something that you know I, I did what I loved for this long. Um, I brought my whole family here. My mom and dad, they, they all they both live here in the States. My brother, sister, they live in the States. And we all spend Thanksgivings or Christmas. We try we try uh, to spend together. So, you know, being U.S., 
you know what I, I yeah I mean it's uh, you know part of it was to to be able to bring everybody here to make it easy on them so my dad has actually got a passport as well and my mom just a week ago I think got a you know got herself um, so yeah we we want to be together because you know my whole thing was I was 12 years old took a 24-hour train and end up in a different country with a different language and you know, I spent five years, six years there. So when I got to NHL, I'm like, I miss my family, and I want to, I want to have, you know, have them close by. So first year when I was with the Flyers, I brought my brother here. Couldn't speak a word of English. One of the greatest guys, <laughs> ever, but he was 20 years old yeah. and didn't have any English background. Well, he went to St. Joe's, I think. Or well, I whatever. took him. I started. Exactly. I, I enrolled him yep. in English as a second language, and he became completely fluent. Yeah, real I mean, graduated Temple. Went to Temple graduate nice, school, nice. and it was, really? it was a fabulous yeah. success yeah. story. Then my sister, who is younger, uh, seven years younger, it was her birthday two days ago. Uh, yeah, she came over as well in the third year. Uh, and then at the time, my mom and dad, I got them tourist visas, and they would come and spend you know quite a bit of time here. And the reason why I actually even come here now, well, one of the reasons is, is you're my friend, I come visit mm-hmm. you. But another is my mom still lives here. Uh, when I got still tra- in Hill after all when I years. traded got traded to Montreal, I couldn't bring to different country, different location, yeah. everybody because they were going to schools here, and my brother, and sister. So I ended up buying a house here, and this is was kind of our base throughout my career mm-hmm. for family. So if, if somebody needed a place to stay or whatever, that was our sort of a family house. And uh, See, yeah. I'm always proud of Philadelphia that athletes who come here tend to gravitate and stay here after career, have some special oh, I like Philly. I like Philly. You know, honestly, there's, you know, you know, this is a place where I started. So, you know, there's, there's kind of sentiments like that. But it's, it's, it's a good town. It's a good town. It's changed a lot, of course. Uh, but there's 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 special place in my heart for Philly for sure. That's great to hear. So before we close, you you made reference to your role as president of Lithuanian hockey, and you're you're very actively involved on the international level and trying to help Lithuania grow and, and become a, a really yeah. good hockey power. And you also mentioned your your former teammate Delacroix with the Flyers, your roommate. You've made him your head coach, your little yeah. to him. And, uh, <laughs> just talk for a second about your role with that and what you well, envision. I'll do it. Make it quick. Uh, I, I played my last game in the NHL. It was 16, game six, and for a year I didn't touch my skates. Then Lithuania got a world championships in hockey, which is third division, third level, you know, whatever, in, in hockey, uh, in Kaunas, in Lithuania. And Kasparaitis, you know, decided that he wants to play. So when he said, I'm going to play, I figured, well, if, if he's – you know, he's six years older than me. I should be able to play too. So I, you know, put my skates on, start skating. I'm like, you know what? Actually, I still feel okay. So I put good six months into it. I think of uh, working out, skating, and in April we played a tournament in Lithuania. We ended up winning the tournament, and uh, now we moved up one level higher. And this year, I'm I'm considering doing it again. At least I'll go to the camp, see, because I've been, you know, I've been working out, and I'm feel like I'm in pretty good shape. It's fun, and his kids get to see him play and all that stuff. How about how about we could do that in football, Josh? Man, uh, you know, <laughs> do it. I do miss it. it. I yeah. miss it. But uh, <laughs> senior league. I'm pretty football. sure my back doesn't miss it. You know, <laughs> let's go for some workouts with me. Flag football for me I now. I need a partner because I'm, <laughs> I'm always alone on, now. Put him on skates. He'd be oh, a stay-at-home defense. Every time him. I get on skates, I get blisters, man. I gotta get like some custom ones or something. 
We'll get you custom. That's yeah, I have a place. <laughs> we'll get you custom. We'll put you so, in the blue line. <laughs> so just just recapping his career a little yeah. bit, John. You know, he, he and the accomplishments are amazing. And, and you look at it. You even there were lockouts during your career. You went overseas for a year. But in the history of the NHL, he's number sixty six in all times game play with twelve hundred ninety three games, almost thirteen hundred games. I mean, that is such a testament to durability and longevity of all the guys who've ever played hockey. Yeah, number sixty six, and and yeah. and in goals, he had two hundred twenty eight. 363 assists, total 591 points. All of those are ranking in the middle 300s of anybody who ever played the game. So that's quite an accomplishment. It's a body of work to be very proud of. Now, you're rolling your eyes. What are you thinking? You know, now looking back, you know, you're saying not bad. You know, for, for a kid that came from a small town, I mean, 15,000, 17,000 people in Lithuania, it's not even a hockey country. You know, I beat the odds kind of thing. You know, like I, I keep saying Damn it. Right. It's, you know. It's another good day to be Zuby, you know. Like, that's, that's his life. Yeah, it's a right? good day there to be. You, you know, I, I, you know <laughs> some people take it the wrong way. You know, they say, "Oh, you know, because I, you know, whatever made money or some, something else." Yeah. No, I just kind of, you know, it, it's good to be me because I kind of, you know, beat the odds, and I'm gonna continue, you know, doing my thing, uh, working at, at whatever that I'm gonna try to do. Like now in Lithuania, we're trying to build hockey rings and things like that, and meeting politicians. So, um, but just this NHL part. Um, you know, I wasn't really, I don't want to say I wasn't supposed to be here, but from small town from Lithuania, not really. So I, I'm kind of happy about it, yeah. And and it's a good day to be Gerald because I've had the pleasure and privilege of having you as a friend, a client for all these years. And thank you so much for joining us. Job. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, you deserve you everything that comes your way. You thank know? you. Thank you for inviting. And, and, and Jaw's not a hockey guy at heart, but he appreciates any athlete and the dedication, the things you guys all share in common. Yep. Well, thank you for having me. So listen, good. we didn't do some of our normal features like Colton's champions and things, but do it. we've you already got You want to do it real quick? Do we have a time? Taylor's giving me a yes, even though, Go. Even Go. though we're over time. Go ahead. All right, Taylor, give us a year. See, no, wait. Right, let's, let's tell Zuby what it is. What is it? Oh, I thought Zuby did it. He did dope before. No. Oh, okay. No, no, first no, no. time. Oh, well, you give us a year then. So what? You give us a year, and oh. Gerald is going to tell you the champion in hockey, football, basketball, and baseball, and all the four major sports. He'll tell you the champion. You just got to give us the year. 96. 96. His rookie year, even though. Yes. Uh, so, so in 1996, going back, let's go with, let's start in basketball. That would have been the start of Michael Jordan's second run of three. For, so the Bulls won in NBA. I was going to say, yeah. I th- I th- yeah, I want to agree with now you. Now we got in, somebody in, in studio in, that can. In NCAA, that would have been Kentucky. College basketball. Oh, Kentucky know. won no in idea. NCAA. No idea. In, <clears throat> all right, so keep, let's keep going. In hockey in 1996, the year before you guys went to the finals would have been the Colorado Avalanche. Very good. And, Very good. <laughs> right? And do you know who they beat in finals? Colorado that year. Was it Florida Panthers? The rat oh, story. Oh, remember? that was the Van Beesbrook rat yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I think so. No, you're right. Yeah. In baseball, it was New York Yankees. The start of their four out of five. They won in '96, and then again in '98, '99, and 2000. That one, no. And in football, would have been Super Bowl. That's Super Bowl 31. Well, actually, yeah, the Super Bowl 31 season, the 1995 or 1996 season, 1997 Super Bowl, yep. Super Bowl 31, and that would have been the Green Bay Packers. Did I get that right? Cowboys. Thir- well, no, 31. If, see, here's the problem 96. with football. The 96 Super Bowl is the 95 season. Right. The 96 season is the 97 Super Bowl. So February of 96, who won? 
February of '96 would have been the Cowboys. He's right, but this, but the way football looks at it, the '96 season oh, yeah, yeah, okay. starts in September. Yeah, 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 right. We're right. the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> that's why it's confusing. I always say that it's like did, football. Yeah, that's that, that's the only know, time he, the Cowboys he, won. They, okay. Well, the Cowboys won right. Super Bowl Thirty, and yes. the, but that's considered the '95 season. Right. It's it's a little confusing. Like uh, we won, we won, we won Super Bowl 2009 season, but right. we didn't play the Super Bowl until so, February 2010. But you consider yeah, yeah, yeah. the 2009. But you consider the 2009. I understand. So, yeah. like, well, he's so, like now, I, NHL. We always have Super Bowl parties, right? right. At the team. Yeah. I actually remember that. I became well. I watched football a little bit at the time, but I became a Brett Favre fan for a while. Well, I just was... to going crazy, you know, whatever. I loved it. Actually, I have a, actually I have a football signed by him. It says Brett Favre three times MVP. Nice. And, and I went to nice. a Super Bowl party that you had at your house for with all your Devils teammates. Yep. If it was after a game you played, and for whatever reason I didn't have to go to the Super Bowl that year, and got to watch the Super Bowl with your guys and a whole yeah. bunch of yeah. Europeans and Canadians. Time. It was like good pools and a lot, a lot of fun. Hockey players have fun Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they have fun. Period. I've been to a few of those guys' parties. Squares and you know, there's a lot of emotion going. It was a blast. And if you went to the White House. The president of the United States, you would have shook, it hand, shook hands with and gotten on would have been Bill Clinton back in 96. But anyway, Dinah Zubris, thank you so much for sharing this hour with us, sharing the story, sharing the history, um, and both laughs and so much education, too, for, yeah. for us you. and for our audience. Thank you. Thanks so, for having me. Taylor's been hanging in there for well over an hour now. Sorry, we'll, we'll pay you overtime, <laughs> and, and so we will be back next week. We didn't get into too many topics because we, we had the pleasure of spending this hour with Dinah Zubris. So we'll be back next week with plenty more issues on Colton Court on behalf of myself, Gerald Colton, and my broadcast partner, Gary Evans. All right, we're boy. saying thanks for joining. Courts adjourned. <laughs>